Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and welcome to Luke 21 Radio. Today, we are in Revelation chapter 21, and we're going to be talking about the New Jerusalem. And my guess is, in the process of doing this, we're going to stretch your imagination just a bit. I'm going to begin by reading a couple of verses towards the beginning of Luke 21, and then we'll jump to the middle of the chapter. Revelation 21, starting at verse 2. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be with them. And now we're going to drop down to the middle of the chapter, starting in verse 15, and we're going to get the details of this new Jerusalem, which we just read about. And he who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city and its gates and walls. The city lies four square, its length the same as its breadth, and he measured the city with his rod, 12,000 stadia, its length and breadth and height are equal. I'm going to read those last few words about the description of the New Jerusalem. Its length and breadth and height are equal. Now, this is a rather unusual description of a city because this city is a cube, a cube, and 12,000 stadia is a cube approximately 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles long, and 1,500 miles wide. Have you ever heard of a city that was 1,500 miles high? Now, what is going on here? Uh, I, I read one suggestion was made by the folks who uh, believe in the uh, rapture at any moment. They thought the new Jerusalem would have to be in existence during what they perceive as a millennium, which in their time sequence is after the second coming of Christ rather than before. And you'd have all these raptured saints in heaven and a... Uh, which I say, a rapture scholar by the name of J. Dwight Pentecost, along with a few others, proposed the concept of a new Jerusalem as a satellite city during the millennium. In other words, you got a orbiting new Jerusalem uh, as a cube, 1,500 miles high, 1,500 miles long and wide. This is where you run into problems when you gloriously insist that every word of the book of Revelation has to be taken literally. I know of no one, absolutely no one, including those who claim to be interpreting the book literally, who actually do. But this is the kind of trap you fall into. Remember I said sometimes it's a whole lot better. You can't take it literally. It depends on the context and the paragraph, the whole type of literature you're looking at. But also, it can be very literal, it can be figurative, 
But how do we determine one of the things we want to do is interpret it scripturally, not just literally. In other words, using scripture to interpret scripture. Now, there's a very significant, I think, loud hint about the New Jerusalem. Those were the first two verses that I just read as we began our broadcast. It says, I saw the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Okay, this is the new Jerusalem. Visualize John seeing it coming down. And then accompanying it was a loud voice from the throne. Well, God is on the throne. This is a voice straight from the throne. So in other words, pay attention. This is very significant. And it says the dwelling of God is with men. He will dwell with them. They shall be his people and God himself shall be with them. Well, what else do we see here? Well, it began, the holy city comes down as a bride prepared for her husband. You know, it's very significant that the divine covenant, the relationship between God and his people, and the marriage covenant, the relationship between a husband and his wife, these two covenants reflect each other. And for me, everybody, you know, asks when an evangelical pastor becomes a Catholic, you know, why did you become a Catholic? For me, this was the special golden key that unlocked a door that opened the Catholic faith to me, seeing that there is this profound relationship between the marriage covenant and the covenant with God and his people. Now, a marriage covenant is something we know and the profound aspect of it is that two, a man and a woman, the two become a profound one, a oneness in the marriage covenant. There's a bonding together. It's not just buddies or college roommates. No, this is something deep, significant, and profound. And God is using the marriage covenant to also describe what is going to go on at the end of time and that he is going to become one with his people. So it describes the new Jerusalem as a bride prepared for her husband. And then it says in three different ways, and again, this is a statement from God from his throne. In other words, highlight this. The dwelling of God is with men, A, He will dwell with them. They shall be his people, B, and C, and God himself will be with him. It's saying the same thing three times in slightly different ways. And it's very interesting. This is just a hint um, where we're going. But the word to dwell uh, in Greek is very closely related, in fact, directly related to the same root as we get the word for tent or tabernacle, because what is a tent? What is a tabernacle? It's a dwelling place. So what are the two ways that as believers, we become one with God? You know, this isn't simply for the age to come. This should be starting now, at least in some very significant way. And you would say, of course, I know what that is. That's the blessed Eucharist. You know, John chapter 14 has some words of Jesus that are just as profound as the passage before us. Jesus said in John 14, yet a little while, and the world will see me no more, but you will see me. Because I live, you will live also. 
in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. There's a certain sense, and I, by the way, I need to just back up a second. What was going on in John 14 when Jesus said these words? He was instituting the Eucharist. And so the Eucharist is literally a communion with Christ. And communion, thinking of that co-union. And you know, in our descriptions to those both inside and outside the church and to our children, we, we talk about transubstantiation. Well, we should and try to explain that. But there's something missing in our world, uh, particularly profound connections, not only between people, not only between husbands and wives, but between God's people and God himself. And emphasizing the Eucharist as a communion, this co-union with Christ, we could give a lot more emphasis to this. So when Jesus says, I am in my Father, you in me, and I in you, he's describing uh, what is going to be happening through the blessed Eucharist. And this is something that this isn't awaiting heaven. This is happening every Mass. Somebody says, I'm bored in Mass. Uh, and I do understand people are bored in Mass, but it's not because of the Mass. It's because of you. Ask God simply, honestly. Say, God, open my eyes to what's going on here. The, the idea, because, uh, you know, even non-Christians that get married realize they're doing something significant. They're joining themselves, not just their bank accounts or their living arrangements or this or that. They're joining themselves together. And this is what God wants to do for us. Now, back to the New Jerusalem. I mean, really, do you think we're going to be living for all eternity? And remember, this Revelation 21 is describing after the second coming of Christ in the new heavens and the new earth, and then he's describing within the new heavens and new earth this new Jerusalem, which comes from heaven down to earth. Now, do you think God's purpose for us, you know, the culmination of all the wonderful things he wants to do for us is to— <laughs> I'm sorry, stick us in a cube for all eternity? I mean, people's notions of heaven is pretty abstract as it is, and you're telling them, you know, you're going to be in a cube. Well, first of all, um, simply the numbers here, just like in the previous chapter when it says 1,000 years, that is a very simple biblical way of saying a really long time. And when it's talking about the cube, it's not only a thousand stadia, but it's 12,000. So it's like a really big cube. And then let's multiply it times 12 in addition. So exceed every kind of conception, because really, to understand what I'm going to be sharing with you right now, um, if you understand it, you don't, because this is beyond human understanding. But I just want to bring you to the threshold, okay? And here's the simple question that unlocks this 12,000 stadia, 1,500-mile cube. What is the only other perfect cube structure in the Bible? In that Old Testament tent where God dwelt, it was the Holy of Holies, the inner part of the temple 
where the very throne of God was located, the most intense, profound, glorious, radiant presence of God. And only once a year, the high priest could go in after a lot of ceremonial cleansings and everything, and he had to wear bells on the bottom of his robe because in case God didn't accept him, he'd be struck dead, and they had a rope around his ankle to pull him out because anybody going in to get him would be killed. But all of this now, it's trying to tell us that in the age to come, after the second coming of Christ, we will be living in heaven's holy of holies, not just the temple on earth or the tabernacle on earth, which prefigures the one in heaven, but the one in heaven comes to earth. And this is the very presence of God himself, the control room of the universe. It says in Isaiah that verse uh, chapter 37, that God is enthroned above these cherubim in the holy of holies. And what happens is that, you know, the old Jerusalem was built around the temple, but in the world to come, the entire presence of God with our lives is going to be so thick, so profound, so overwhelming, it will be very hard even to talk, not because it's difficult to talk. It's just such an overwhelming presence of God. This is what's going on. And not only that, depending on your translation of the Bible, about 90 times in the New Testament, it keeps saying we are in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, because this begins now. Not only is Christ with us, Christ is in us, but we are also in Christ. And I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 130 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at luke21.com.